Tying love with commands strikes us as strange, doesn't it? Well, most of us, I know some of you are saying, well, you don't know my spouse, Father. But for most of us, tying love with commands strikes us as strange. Do what I tell you, and you'll remain in my love. Better to be free than to be involved in a relationship like that, it would seem. But when you were growing up, were you ever asked to do something unpleasant? Something you reluctantly did? I mean, who wasn't, right? From having, being commanded to eat this food, to doing this chore. But did you ever find that the command you initially resisted actually became a source of joy? I have noticed that with food, yes, that I wouldn't have eaten, that I appreciate now. And with obligations, duties, responsibilities, be kind to your sister. I mean, who knew that that could make a happier house? Amazing. More significantly, though, I think of it in terms of my own vocation to the priesthood and specifically to the diocesan priesthood. It was something that at multiple levels I didn't want, but I continued to feel compelled, pushed towards, commanded to take up, even at some level after ordination, only much later looking back and saying, I don't know how I could have lived differently. I would have missed so many blessings. You know, over time, the loving logic of the command becomes clear, or at least clearer. Writing about the Eucharist, Pope Benedict XVI put it this way, especially for the saints, he was saying, no longer is it a question then of a commandment, do this in memory of me. No longer is it a question then of a commandment imposed from without and calling for the impossible, but rather of a freely bestowed experience of love from within, a love which by its very nature must then be shared with others. Commandments and love are not opposed. In fact, God's commandments appear to reveal what love is. As the Father loves me, Jesus said, so I also love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I mean, Jesus is making a comparison there. He's setting up a parallel. So we ask, well, how has the Father loved Jesus? What do we have to go on? And we have no letter written in the first person by God the Father to his son, son, this is how I love you. But what do we have? We have what God commanded Jesus to do, right? We know that, which gives us an indication of God's love, which ultimately culminated in that. I mean, that leaves us with saying that the cross is a sign of God's love for Jesus. I mean, that's counterintuitive, to say the least, until we reflect upon what we've just discovered. The Father's love for Jesus seems to be something like this. Jesus, I have compassion for the human race. Join me in loving them. Allow my love to find a place in your heart. Receive my love and there will be joy in and on the other side of the pain. And if Jesus loves us as the Father loves him, 
It seems Jesus is saying to us, join me in this great mission. Unite with me in loving, truly loving each and every human being, and your life will be enriched. Setting love within the context of friendship is implicit in the Father's love of Jesus, and it's explicit in his love, Jesus' love of us. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer call you slaves. I have called you friends. Jesus is not commanding as a master would to a slave, but he is sharing who he is, all that he has with us, his friends. He is interested in a fellowship, a communion of wills, friends with a shared purpose. Love has to do with willing what God wills, however counterintuitive this may initially seem. We stumbled across this at the school mass this week. Love appeared in the gospel that day too. I told the kids the story. I just heard about a grandpa in the area. The grandpa, I was told, took his dog everywhere with him everywhere, even to McDonald's. And so I asked the kids, what do you think the grandpa did for the dog at McDonald's? And one of our boys said, hamburger. <laughs> so that's right. He gave him a hamburger. The dog loves hamburgers. He loves human food. But then I asked the kids, is human food good for dogs? Everybody shook their heads. I said, but what if the dog really, really likes human food? Wouldn't it be loving of the grandpa to give that dog human food? And they shouted, no. And I said, so are you telling me that love is not necessarily tied to giving you what you like or want? And the looks on their faces was precious. It's like pulled the rug right out from under us. I mean, it's easy to see everyone agrees until it comes to human beings. You know, from God's creation of human beings as male or female to the lifelong commitment of spousal love between a man and a woman to sexual intimacy being ordered towards procreation and abstinence being fitting otherwise, from parents deserving honor, children, a home life of faith, love, and discipline, and immigrants and the elderly deserving tender care, from co-workers being owed compassion to forgiveness being due to everyone, from the Earth's resources being created to enhance the common good to their not being given to be worshipped or hoarded or butchered. And if not the rainforests and coral reefs, then much less may we butcher someone's good name or reputation or a child in the womb. Love is love is clearly not God's slogan. Love is not a term awaiting content. 
It's not a word waiting to be defined. Love has become a human person and has commanded us to join him in loving humanity and God himself according to what we are and according to what he is. That's love, and that's the source of joy. 